just a bunch of witty banter. Good guy, Papa. What's up, peoples? You're listening to Witty Banter right now. <laughs> I am your host, Chase Williams, and to my right is the man who can do a lot of things. <laughs> That's sets. all you got for me this time, Chase? Yeah, Come I've, on, you're slacking, bro. Fell fl- hey, how many times <laughs> have you named me, man? <laughs> well, you're the one that names people, man. Well, Chase the flying ace. That's all I, I don't know. <laughs> Chase the cheese. Cheese man. Uh, how's you doing, people? It is uh, September 12th at 12.41 p.m. So and we are look, we're looking outside in Austin, Texas at a gorgeous day. The backyard's getting greener, dude. It is. It's getting longer. We're gonna have to, yeah, have to pull out that manual mower that we the got. old push mower. We have a push that is mower. One of my favorite parts about this it entire is house. Straight up, like a milestone in human engineering, man. Yeah. Without an without a motor, this thing can just like destroy the grass. It's pretty awesome. It, I've always wanted to use a push motor ever since I watched Ed, Ed and Eddie. <laughs> When in one episode, Naturally. yeah, they had a push mower, and I was like, "See, they got it going right. <laughs> they know what's up." Yeah. Well, if you're familiar with Witty Banter, you know that we review a beer every episode. So, Hunter, what beer are we reviewing today? So today we went to the the iconic flag store last night, and we picked up Rogue Farms Seven Hop IPA. Now, I believe that we have had a beer. Is Rogue Farms the brewery? Yeah, Rogue's the brewery. So, so okay, okay. So, we have had a beer from Rogue. We weren't able to identify what it was, it was like last a, night. It was like a hazelnut. I think it was a, something nut brown ale. It was a nut brown ale. It I was. Just, and it was the episode that we did in my house, actually. Yeah. I remember the guy being on it. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I don't think that we... Preferred that one as much, but we were really excited when we saw the Seven Hop IPA. I have like, like a, I have like a lukewarm relationship with Rogue. Okay. Sometimes I really like their beers. Other times I'm not impressed. And you know, Rogue, we're doing this one for you because we're trying to improve that relationship. We see your Seven Hop IPA. We're, we're working like, at you it. You know what? We're we're really we're, salivating. We're basically in marriage council right now. We're the only <laughs> ones talking. The, a big reason I wanted to get this one though is. Um, like, I remember last summer when I was kind of finally first drinking a lot of better beers for myself, and I would always go to the store and get a bomber of, like, the most ridiculous, hoppy IPA I could find but and drink it. Yeah. And um, I, feel, I just feel like I haven't done that in a while, and I kind of wanted to throw it back to the old nostalgia. Yeah, you're trying to get your hop buds yeah, jumping, dude. Because we've been doing a lot of, like, just lagers and pilsners and things that are light and airy and just not really... Uh, I actually tried a black IPA last night, which was pretty refreshing. I'd never had a black take on an IPA. It's pretty good. So we're pouring it up right now. Um, it is not filtered, therefore I cannot see through it very well. Uh, it's a really pretty color. It is a nice it's a, color, like a deep it's, amber. Yeah, but the amber is not like a bright amber. I wouldn't mm, say it's like it's a like, brown amber. It's like a brown. Yeah, it's like a. It's like a mix between. Uh, like a dark orange and brown, in my opinion. It's really pretty. The smell is just freaking hop hops. all the way. <laughs> <It's> seven um, hops. <laughs> well, they describe it on the back too that the the seven varieties are of the hop that they used are mostly aroma hops. So I'm assuming that it's going to be coming through in the nose more than in the flavor. It is 8.02 percent alcohol by volume. Not too shabby. It says on the back that it's dedicated to farmers and fermenters. So that's pretty cool. Just a little, uh, you know, dedication tribute beer. Woo. <laughs> well, I just had my first sip, and uh, 
It's not as bitter as I expected. Really? To your dismay? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Not that I'm Dig not. It rogue. I'm not gonna Just knock. Keep going nah, round and round. I'm not gonna knock the beer for that though. <laughs> I can't be like, well, I expected it to taste like coffee. Well, you bought a freaking vanilla porter, you know? No. But um, it's definitely hoppy. Like right off the bat, it finishes kind of sweet. Yeah, I think it's hoppy. I think it has a lot of flavor, but I think you're right. The flavor isn't necessarily bogged down by bitterness, which is kind of what I associate hops with regularly. And I think you were the first person that really pointed out to me that there is a difference between making something hoppy and making something bitter. Because mm-hmm. I kind of just, you know, associated, associated the, two. the two as being kind of synonymous. But yeah, I can definitely taste a lot of flavor. I feel like as this opens up, this will be an open up beer. Yeah, I think so too. You know, which which honestly kind of says something about the sophistication of the beer itself. Sure. Um, any other opening remarks that you'd like to to talk about the beer? Nothing's really standing out to me right now. Okay. So. Any any flavors you can grasp at mm, all? There's so much going on with it. That That's what I'm saying. There's so much. Yeah, the smell is very complex. We're just gonna have to wait on this one. This is gonna be one that we aren't gonna be able to expose very much on the beginning so it has a yeah a kind of interesting aftertaste yeah let's go yeah we'll wait for the halftime until okay. we start really uh laying the laying the law down well before we start with the banter i want us to all bow our heads in a moment of silence because if you pray in the house of pert then you know it's time to say a prayer <laughs> and wish the man of all men the god of rock himself the prophet of the drums. Happy birthday. Yoda. Oh, yeah. it's Neil Pert's birthday. Happy 60- That's what you're getting to. <laughs> Happy 62nd birthday, Neil Pert. That guy has had a long and um, just awesome life, awesome career. And I think that he has, one, earned everything that he's gotten as far as like the success and the notoriety. But two, just the fact that he's been able to kind of overcome a lot of his own life obstacles and like overcome even just his own sense of shyness and reservation to be like one of the biggest rock stars in the world man props to you neil pert definitely been a role model of mine for like my whole life for sure and And like since i learned him from you i was like the same way for sure and if anybody ever wants to argue that he's not a good drummer go ahead and come on the show and i will eradicate your soul yeah there's not very many people that are drummers that i could say you could legitimately argue with me are better than neil i've heard some dick holes out there (laughs) At that point, it's just disrespectful. Yeah. Okay. But, cool. Let's go ahead and jump into the banter train. This is Witty Banter. (laughs) All right. So, Hunter, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Do you want me to? Yeah. Okay, let me go ahead and pull it up real quick. All right, so, my first uh, item. It's probably not a huge shocker. But it is about Radio Shack, and we're reporting from this uh, source called The Street, but The Street also references Reuters a lot, so it's mm, a thing okay. that... I'm, Reuters is the bomb. Yeah, getting a lot of, uh, you know, savviness from. So I'm just going to throw this out there. On Wednesday, Radio Shack's stock fell by 11.74% to $0.83 cents on the dollar. Uh, on Wednesday, early Wednesday afternoon. And this was after this uh, company called Wedbush Securities. Wetbush? Wed. Oh, W-E-D, God. Which okay. would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> would but, <it> be nice? <laughs> but uh, they, uh, they basically claimed out to the public that they could be filing for bankruptcy soon. And so they think that the stock will be worthless by the end of the year. And so they kind of just like made this chain effect of consumer you know, skepticism toward the company. So I'm going to throw these three facts out there. In June, Radio Shack reported its ninth straight quarterly loss. Whoops. 
Um, Doing quarter one wrong. last year, they had a net income of negative $43 million. Wow. Quarter oh one God. this year was 127% worse Ooh. at negative $98 million. Guys. In one quarter. Dude. Um, that's a, that's not good. Sh- and the final little tidbit, earnings per share, per shock, or f- per share of stock, uh, is down 177% Jeez. compared to the year earlier. Quarter. You know every stockholder just getting out as fast <laughs> as they can just right like, now. Oh. Don't you have to be at like $1 per share to be on like the NASDAQ or something like that? Um, There is a um, limit. I don't know what the minimum threshold is. Mm. But yeah, I mean, if your stock's worth like half a penny, they're not going to put you on there. But, uh, you know, essentially, Wedbush is saying that it expects creditors will force a reorganization and wipe out of Radio Shack's equity by the end of the year. Uh, I just thought that was kind of interesting. You know, we had seen a couple of efforts by Radio Shack to kind of get back in the game, a couple of um, marketing strategies. And, uh, like, I remember even telling one time that Radio Shack was, if you would bring in a 4S... Mm-hmm. Then they would just give you a five, like for free. God. That was one of the things that they were. Please that's help how us. desperate they were. Come at our store. Yeah, and uh, well, so if you've ever been to a Radio Shack, you know it's probably one of the most unenjoyable experiences ever <laughs> because the employees <laughs> always suck. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> Unanimously, seriously. But uh, yeah, so that's that was the first thing I was bringing to the to the. All right, bye bye Radio Shack. It's been fun. Okay, so my item is. Um, Google will have to refund consumers a minimum of 19 million U.S. dollars to settle a Federal Trade Commission complaint, which states that it unfairly billed users for in-app microtransactions made by children. So huh. you know, you know what microtransactions are like in an app. Uh, maybe. Like, say you download an app for free. Okay. But then once you're in the app, it's like pay 99 cents for this, pay 99 cents for that. A lot of games, that's how a lot of free games make their money. Is it like stuff that, um, like whenever you sign up and get into the app, in order for you to go forward, you have to do these things and or it doesn't even notify you? Or is it like that the kids are just like, oh, it's 99 cents, I don't care. It's you know? typically they will notify you. Like you have, you'll know that you're going to buy something. Okay. And a lot of the times, especially in games, it's not necessary, but it if you don't buy these things, it'll like triple the time or something. Like okay. I'll use Clash of Clans as an example. Um, you there's, there's two different currencies in Clash of Clans that you can just produce on your own, but then there's a third one called gems, and you have to buy gems with real money. Okay, right, yeah. And... If you have a ton of gems, it makes the game a whole lot easier. And so that's how they make yeah, the money. Yeah, the incentive, of course. But yeah, it's interesting that you said, does it tell you? Because the biggest, um, the whole reason why this is happening is that microtransactions made with children were went through because it didn't ask for any password requirement or account holder uh, authorization methods. And, and what they're saying is now Google is going to be required to inform consumers who have made in-app purchases Basically, that it's going to happen. They have to do a better job at either entering a password and saying, hey, you're about to spend money. They can't be subtle with the fact that they're making money off And you. also, <laughs> there, there's like a 15-day refund process after the order is finalized that mm. Google is required to uphold, but it doesn't really inform consumers about that. And right. so now they're also going to have to say, like, you got to tell people about that. Right. Honestly, I'm surprised. Like, $19 million seems kind of like a drop in the bucket. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the grand scheme of Google, it, it is. But when I first read it, I was like, damn, that's right. a lot of microtransactions. Right, you know, yeah. $19 million, $1 at a time. Right. And, and I, But I think what I'm getting at or driving at is that the inherent value of this story is the fact that they're going to have this 
mega policy change. They're going to have to like mm-hmm. go about making the infrastructure of how even just you pay for little things in apps. Cause it's going to be different because now parents are, uh, is it mostly parents that are pissed off about this? Like parents that have kids who are charging stuff up or would you say that the average, there are a lot of average consumers out there that are like adults and they didn't realize that they were getting these microtransactions. Either. Yeah, that's, that's possible. My microtransactions are, can like be done really well or really not well, yeah. you know, like, and especially in the gaming sphere, anytime microtransactions pop up, it just feels kind of shady. Yeah. It's like a almost, there's the term out there is pay to win, you know? Right. It's like these <laughs> things, if you buy them, are going to make you the best of the game or... Okay. But there's other things that do it very eloquently where it, it it's just an, a small advantage rather than a big one. Yeah. Are you, a, are you somebody who, whenever you're in a game in an app, that you're willing to kind of do microtransactions in order to be better? Or? I'm very hesitant with them. I did spend 20 bucks on Clash of Clans. But I played <laughs> really? that but I played that game for almost a year. True. So when you think about it, $20 for Not like a, a year experience is right. fine. And then you have if it's a game that I'm invested in, you know, if the core game has mm-hmm. got me hooked and I got to spend $5 to maybe unlock um I'm okay with aesthetics. Okay. If it's purely aesthetical in a game where Five bucks will get you all these capes and these gauntlets and stuff. I'll probably do it if I like the game a lot, <laughs> especially a nerd like me who's like really into making their character look a certain way. Right, right, right. So, okay. Anyway. Well, cool, man. Interesting. All right, so go ahead. You want to bring it around the horn to me? Go ahead and throw Here. it to you. All right, so I'm going to bring to the table a... Uh, I, I first read this and I thought I was reading it wrong, but it's uh, it's this thing called a drinkable book. Have you ever heard of this? No. <laughs> okay. This is awesome, by the way. This is like one of the biggest advances innovatively that I've heard in a long time. Okay. So there's an organization called Water is Life, and they partnered with scientists from Carnegie Mellon and the University of Virginia to make a product called The Drinkable Book. Essentially what this is, it is um, a collection of water filters that each page in this book is a water filter on each page there are little factoids and information about water and health that you know i think that third or um first world civilized like you know civilized countries like us take for granted we kind of just know these things but in third world countries that aren't like super civilized they don't necessarily know those things so it provides information on the pages each page is a filter and the filter has been proven to be able to remove 99.9% of contaminants in water, Damn. which is uh, basically similar to tap water and drinking water that we all consume. Right. It costs pennies to make. Each filter provides someone with up to 30 days of clean water, which is each page in a book. So each book provides someone with four years of, up to clean, of clean water. Wow. So 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 basically, this book on the pages has information about water. Right. And then you can rip the page out, use the filter, mm-hmm. and you go through your book. You rip the page out, and they give you this little white box that has it's kind of like two compartments on top, uh, stacked on top of each other. And there's a little slip where you put the filter into. You pour the contaminated water on it. It leaks through the filter to the bottom compartment, and that is 99.9% pure water. So what's their plan with this? Are they going to start printing them and giving them out to undeveloped nations? Yeah, it costs pennies to make, and um, 
the statistic that they use that there's like three million just straight up like water related deaths a year in right. the world. And so I think that they're just gonna yeah start trying to send them out to third world countries. Have other people sponsor uh, the giving of drinkable books. Yeah, to once third world once it's being stuff. manufactured, then maybe it's like donate ten bucks here and we'll send this many water books out. Yeah, imagine if you could give ten dollars and provide, you know, fifty people with drinkable water for four years. Yeah, that's insane. That'd be so dope. Awesome. Do they have like a any projected date of when this is like finalized? Do they already have prototypes. They already have. They already have this thing. So it's done. Yes, they're they're printing these things out. Dude. And so uh, this was from InspireMore.com. So I thought that this was really innovative. If if we can actually really start like using the technology that we have at our advantage to be able to overcome things like world hunger and uh, even just access to clean drinking water, like boom. Boom. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. So. All right. So for my next piece, we're going to talk about Microsoft a little bit. Okay. So according to an unnamed source, Mojang, the studio who developed Minecraft, is in advanced talks with Microsoft to be bought out for $2 billion. Okay. That's a ton of money. Now, this is incredibly significant. Like, okay. this is huge. Right. Minecraft is one of the most successful games of all times. It's become a cultural phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to throw some stats out for you. Okay, cool. More than 54 million copies of Minecraft have been sold across all platforms, Damn. making it the third best-selling game of all time, Jeez. behind only Wii Sports and Tetris. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I, I thought like World of Warcraft or something, but okay, cool. So Minecraft, its reach uh, beyond the video game sphere is pretty big too, right? Okay. A Minecraft movie is in the works with Warner Brothers right now. Scholastic God. sells a variety of official Minecraft how-to books, which I've seen, and it's really cool. They okay. basically teach you how to build different structures in the game step by step. Dang. Really tight. Okay, cool. Minecraft Lego sets continue to be the best-selling Lego sets out of their whole repertoire. I could totally see that. But yeah, it's so perfect because yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's bricks with bricks. Like, yeah, what do like you how do you not make that partnership happen? Um, last year, Mojang made a $128 million profit from a $360 million revenue. Oh, my gosh. That's and a markup, bro. So I want to talk about the implications of this. Because I think it can go a couple ways. First of all... The implications of uh, Microsoft trying to buy? Yeah. Okay. First of all, I think it's nothing but amazing for, for Microsoft. Like, if you're, you're about to own the biggest cash cow in gaming, period. In a long time or ever. Now, what's interesting, though, is Minecraft can pretty much be played anywhere. You can play it on your iPhone, your iPad. You the play P- it on your phone? Oh, yeah. They have mobile apps for oh, it? Oh, yeah. Dang, I didn't know that. You can play it on the PS3, the Xbox 360, the PS Vita, the PS4, the Xbox One, mm-hmm. on your computer. It's okay. everywhere. It's literally everywhere. So some people are thinking, well, are they going to just take it all off of these other platforms and try to make it this exclusive thing? But That wouldn't s- be in Microsoft's best interest. Exactly. I was, at the, I was at the same time. They're generating so much revenue from that that I don't think that's how it's going to be either. Right. Now, what they also can do is they can use this as like a huge cue f- for getting younger audiences. Okay. Because like, the biggest players in Minecraft are kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are kids out there who... If you ask them, like, hey, do you play video games? They'll say, no, but I play Minecraft. Right. And they literally play Minecraft, like, 500 day, like, hours a week. You <laughs> yeah, know? like, that's, insane. Their, that's what Pokemon was for us, you know? <laughs> exactly. So if you can get, micro, like, a Xbox or a Microsoft um, 
slant a connection on it. with right. those that maybe as they grow up, just like when how we all grew up with Nintendo, we always have a soft spot for Nintendo. Yeah, I was gonna kind of ask that. I mean, like, because we are in we are adults and we've seen Minecraft before the Microsoft age. But do you think that there's something to be said about? Microsoft might just be buying the goodwill and inherent reputation of Minecraft. You know, like if if they buy Minecraft and they don't change a lot of the sources with which you can interact with it, like you can still do mobile stuff, you can still go on the PS4 and play it, but it's still owned by Microsoft. It kind of gives you this thing like, oh, Microsoft's the shit because yeah. it is, you know, yeah, it owns like Microsoft a- and or it owns Minecraft. And if you're a kid growing up with that idea, then it's almost like Microsoft is investing in like the reputation and the goodwill of, of that game, you know. I think also what they needed to do to preserve the um, to really not become like a bad guy in this situation, mm-hmm. Minecraft has a very like devout vocal following. Okay? okay, and if they want to make money off of Minecraft by doing what we said and like expanding outside of the gaming realm to toys, licensing and all that, and just cashing in on that, or just keeping it on all platforms, that's fine. But I can guarantee you now that if Microsoft were to do something like add microtransactions into Minecraft to create mm. revenue and stuff, I think that's the kind of thing that would show, really that would off. really make people mad. Yeah. What they can also do to kind of preserve um, their own sense of, hey, we're treating this brand right, is Mojang itself is an incredible developer. Okay. It's massive, be, like not massive in size, but massive in, I guess, popularity and gravity just because of the size of Minecraft. Um, mm-hmm. The creator, his name is Marcus Pearson. His, um, he's been very vocal about... First of all, he's only one of three shareholders in this company. Wow. So, which is insane. <laughs> so he's banking. Yeah, he's banking. But he's been very vocal about going against large corporations. And even like three mm. months ago, he has outspokenly said... So he's gonna hate this. He's yeah, which is we like. F- he was the guy that when Oculus Rift got bought by Facebook, he's like, okay, well, Minecraft isn't going to Oculus Rift anymore. Really? He's that kind of dude. Okay, so why is he allowing this to happen if he's one of three shareholders? Two billion no dollars, I guess. Dude, two billion is not that much when you think about the possibilities, man. Uh, two billion dollars is a lot when you're one person. It's a lot, man. But when you think about like long-term horizons with companies, it's starting to get to where two billion dollars. If you really think that you have like a lot of capability and a lot of um, potential with your company, two billion dollars isn't what it used to be anymore. Like, uh, but what I was gonna ask is, are there any other games that it's Mojang, right? Yes. That Mojang makes that are popular and or even potentially popular. Like, see, he, popular? here's what's weird is I follow um, that Marcus guy on Twitter, and he's always like creating some game, but I literally don't have a single inkling of an idea of the fact that they have another game besides Minecraft. Okay. I'm sure they do, and I'm probably there's probably people screaming at the radio right now, but... Because you would think that maybe Microsoft would want to see some sort of potential future... Well, that's what I'm saying. ...outside of just Minecraft. So here's the other options, right? They could either, A, like, maybe keep a Microsoft... Or, I mean, a Minecraft team within Mojang, and then allow Mojang to kind of keep their indie cred and indie... Mm-hmm personality by allowing them to still do their own thing right um or what they could do is say all right we we want a minecraft too and maybe that's the time when when Ooh. xbox really pulls ex- its exclusive stream Claws out, like yeah. okay you guys can have minecraft forever and all that but my you know minecraft 2 is an xbox um windows exclusive, exclusive or you something. know right i could totally see that which would be massive yeah um 
But but don't you think that the following, like if they came out with a Minecraft two and the that that tight knit community of followers that are outspoken would be like that's bullshit. You know? I mean, it's not in line with the original values with what we liked Minecraft for. Well, first of all, the original values of the game aren't going to change just because it's you got to go somewhere else to buy it. Two, I think the people who would get mad are people who are like maybe our age, a little bit younger, a little bit older, whereas the vast majority of people who play it are kids. Yeah. And all the kid wants is for their parents to hand them whatever device they need to play it. Right. And that, that parent will go out and get it for them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's in Microsoft's best interest to really look at the long term with with this acquisition, not yeah. try to get a quick buck on... On just how the, just, yeah, popular the, it is now, the floating popularity that that exists, mm-hmm. and try now. to develop like the long term growth of the Minecraft. I think brand. if they, if Microsoft uh, could, yeah, have their own developers kind of team up with Mojang and be able to, if not only you know capitalize on the popularity of Minecraft with a Minecraft two, but also capitalize on that popularity in order to go forward with other gaming ventures. You know, well, yeah, they absolutely need more games. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that Microsoft isn't looking at this as, you know, a stagnant deal. I'm, and what I'm kind of wondering is, I, I, I'm guessing that, uh, again, name the company again, Mo- Mojang. Mojang. They will still exist, right? It'll still be Mojang. Yeah. They're thing. just going to be a first party developer. So there's going to be a subsidiary of, okay. Well, that's interesting stuff, man. I honestly have never played Minecraft, but it seems blast. like one of those. It seems like kind of one of those World of Warcraft games where, like, once you get sucked in, you're sucked in. You know. I played it for one night, and in that one night, I had like I think I had the perfect Minecraft experience. Really, where it was like me, uh, Max, and Adam, <laughs> and we got in there, and from like 10 p.m. to like 4 a.m. We were just like, first we started building stuff, and then we got weapons, and then we like went and tried to open all these portals and things, and like you just get lost in that little world, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. It's awesome. All right, so um, you want to maybe talk about the uh, Apple keynote, yeah, right? Do we, we, have wanna... about, we have about like eight minutes or seven minutes to talk about this. Okay, we we'll do a combined action. Great, yeah. Okay, so if you were anywhere near a TV or a social media device this week, you know that <laughs> Apple's keynote went on this week. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to sit here and kind of throw out all the details of the keynote and the specific minutia of each product. Right, but just what, the straight-up facts but that you what can we, look at for yourself. But what we want to do is look at each section of the keynote and sort of just talk about it briefly and give our own predictions and just commentary on it. Yeah, that. overall conclusions that we're drawing. Cool. So the one that I want to bring up first, and I think the shortest, is just the new iPhone 6. Okay. So you've got the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 6 Plus. Mm-hmm. Bigger screen, biggest screen. Right. Um, bigger processor, more battery life, and a better camera, which is kind of what you seem to expect from every iPhone update. Right. Okay. That being said, I'm a little... It's interesting that the pull of larger screens has finally actually affected... It really, Apple. yeah. So now, especially this time, yeah, yeah. So now they have to have one, right? And me personally, I've always been satisfied with the sc- the size of my phone screen. And the people uh-huh. who have other phones are always like, You're "Still using that tiny screen?" And <laughs> to me, I'm like, "Guess yeah. what? It, it means zero to me. How yeah. <laughs> big that screen is." So when the new phones come out, I want to go to a store and like hold one and see how big it is and put it in my pocket to really see. Because I've also heard a lot of people who said they've switched from iPhones to the bigger screens, and it's really not that hard. Do you know the relative uh, screen sizes? I do. I know the 5. 5S is 4.7. The 6. The 6 is 5. 
and the 6 Plus is 5.5 inches. Okay. Inches. What was the 5S? The 5S is 4.7. Do them all over again. So the 5S is 4.7. That's what you and I currently have mm-hmm. right now. The iPhone 6 will have a 5-inch screen diagonally, and the iPhone 6 Plus will have a 5.5-inch Yeah. Screen. See, the 6 Plus is getting to that realm of just, like, the phone galaxy. tablet, it looks you know? Like a ca- it looks like a Galaxy, kind of. Did you, but do you like the form factor of it? Just the actual phone itself? I, I think it's just a like pretty how phone. It looks. Yeah, I think it's a pretty um, phone. Yeah, I'm not the biggest... I don't have the biggest hard-ons for getting th- thin. I don't really think that the thinness... There was an inherent applause that came whenever they were like, it's the thinnest phone we've ever produced. And we were like, oh my God, yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay. I mean, that doesn't make it a good phone. I, and in fact, whenever it gets so thin, it almost makes it, for, for me, feel like it's going to break easier. Breakable. It's like more brittle, and I don't necessarily like that. But um, I can get down with that. Some of the conclusions that I'm drawing from this is that I think that instead of trying to have this like one super major innovation with their phones that they really like tried to capitalize on and differentiate themselves from the market, I think that they went through like each piece of the phone they went through each separate piece that makes up the phone they're gonna like we're gonna make this like 20 to 25 percent better yeah and they totally did i think that like the way that they um presented it through the keynote speech just like stuff like transistors going into different microchips and stuff like how many transistors are used this year versus last year like just little things like that you could tell that like they went through every single little part of the phone and they're like let's just make that way better this year and so I don't necessarily think that it's this huge, um, like, tangential in- innovation that they're doing, but I think that they are making the phone significantly better. Yeah. I have no problem with saying it's, that. Yeah. I mean, I just to me, it was just the next step. Yeah. You know? I, it's something that I just I pretty much expected, mm-hmm. and that's that. I think the new form factor is pretty, and, you know, I'll get one in a year. The one thing that I'm surprised that... Um, Apple hasn't really brought up is the is the speakers and like the sound production. They didn't say anything about sound. Well, uh, I mean, what phones. about like playing music off of your phone? Yeah, like one of the things that Samsung boasts is that they have two speakers, both on the front of their phone, like one on the top part and one on the bottom, and the speakers go all the way ac- like across horizontally across the phone. Whereas like Apple seriously has four little holes for speakers and it's on the bottom that would be actually interesting because you think of all the new like little pill boxes that are coming out yeah. for it what if your phone was actually good enough to be okay well I'm a speaker p- yeah that'd be cool that's i think a speaker phone would be dope <laughs> yeah seriously yeah but uh so you want to go to the next little uh, part of it yeah why don't you introduce the apple wallet stuff um as best you can okay i'll try so the uh so Apple came through with a new form of payment method called Apple Pay. And um, I think that the biggest thing that everyone's kind of wondering is like the security about behind it. Well, yeah, but what is it first? Essentially, Apple Pay is just um, instead of having to use your credit card and your credit card number in order to be able to like access all these different payment methods, you basically just... Um, store all your credit card information or give all your credit card information to this little thing called like the this passbook yeah the passbook i think it was passbook the way that they describe it which it's hard for us because even before the episode we were kind of saying like we don't necessarily fully understand how apple pay works or what the logic is behind the security but essentially you put in 
your credit card number and information, but then that information isn't stored to Apple servers, and it's not even stored on your phone. It's, secor- it's stored to this thing called like a secure element that is within your phone. And Buzzword. Other apps can't access that secure element, so you can't. So you can't like just. I don't know. It 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 doesn't necessarily just get paid for through. The picture they were painting for me was synthesize all of your payment options onto your phone, and in a secure way, you will be able to pay for pretty much everything in a very quick and easy manner. Right, and you, you don't, use like your your uh, thumb, your print to be able to pay for stuff. Yeah, you won't have to enter in your card information for every field every time you go into a website. Um, it's They'll be able to use it for physical use, you know, like in the real world. Right, yeah. And when I first heard this, I thought this is awesome, okay? Cause I did too. There's, there's two things to this. I've, I want it to become where I can just walk into a store and be like, I want this, that, and the other. They give it to me, and somehow it works. Right. Where I don't even have to get my card out anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I also am a big fan of using cash. And yeah. I think going out of, like, eliminating cash from the everyday transactions is a little scary to me. Yeah. For sure. But it's like, I mean, how often do you really use cash nowadays? I don't, but that's the thing. I wish I used it more. Yeah. I think everyone has that kind of feeling, but they still just kind of resort. I mean, in Europe, I used cash the entire time. Me too. And it, A, helped me budget, and B, I just felt like a baller sometimes walking around with cash. When I have cash in my hands, though, part of me is, uh, part of me thinks that I have this thing, like, I can tangibly see this cash, so I have less of a likelihood for me to just went, wantonly go spend it. You know, mm-hmm. like, every dollar I see, I'm seeing myself spend this dollar. Yeah, dude. It's getting out of my hand. Like, it's yeah. no longer a part of me anymore. But then the other part of me is, like, when I have money, I always end up, like, if I go downtown with $60, guess what? I paid $60 last night. Right, <laughs> you know, like, right. like, I'm going to use all that money whenever it's there because it's there. So, I don't know. The biggest thing for me with this whole story is, or this whole announcement, I want to see it used in the wild first. I'm not going to be the, the, the person who's just like, okay, I trust an Apple wholeheartedly with my fucking bank information, mm-hmm. so here we go. I don't care who you are, what company you are. If someone with malintent out there wants to hack into something, they're probably going to be able to do it. Okay. And since this is going to be the first time it comes out, there might be freaking bugs and hiccups that they don't know about. Right, and I don't yeah. want to be... You don't want to be the first on the roller coaster. Yeah, I don't want to be the victim on that. Yeah. And I think they're absolutely headed in the right direction. It's pretty, it's pretty innovative it got, for them to want to start on that. For me, it was the favorite, my favorite part of the whole, th- the whole thing. I, and that, that was, this is the one thing that I didn't predict coming. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know that this was going to happen right. or whatever. And yeah. so I really liked it. One, uh, an article that I'm reading on Know Your Mobile, though, is talking about how Apple isn't, you know, they're not just doing that as, as a free service. There are transactions oh, fees that they will no. be small fees that they will be collecting from that. No, sure. are you serious? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. That changes the game. They didn't say that in the keynote speech. They didn't talk about anything about Apple collecting any sort of fee for doing it. That's that's messed up. Yeah. Um, also, I think another thing to bring up is like the security and how secure it is. And um, the biggest thing that they put forth as far as what makes it secure is that with each transaction, they have these transa- transaction-specific dynamic security codes. Mm-hmm. So each, each transaction has its own little security code. 
and that kind of prevents hackers from being able to just like find your security code and hack into it because it changes every time. Again, I don't really know what that means. I don't know. I don't know how legit that is, and I don't know how well it works. Yeah, against, I think like, hackers. I think this comes out with the new iOS eight, which mm-hmm. means we'll have it by like mid September. Yes. And so I it's want. It's going to be a free update, so it's cool. Yeah. So I, I really am looking forward to having somebody else dig into how it works so I can read it. But yeah. All right, so the last piece of the Apple puzzle was the announcement that everyone knew was coming, which was the Apple Watch. Yeah. Um, for sure. So what was what I mean, so basically this watch is everything you kind of expect it to be. Yes. It's a it's a touch screen on your hand. Yes. It has a bunch of apps. Right. The biggest claim that they really had for me that kind of separates it is that it has a bunch of fitness things, elements to it. Which is cool. It can take your um, pulse mm-hmm. and such. Yeah. What did, what did you take away from this? I thought that it's better than all the other watches that are on the, on the market. I think it's a better product than the Samsung watch or the, any of the other the watch, wearable technology watches that are available. I will give it that. Um, I still think it's going to be a hassle to deal with. I think Absolutely. it's more of a gimmick. You know, I just think that it's like all of the things that I want to do on my phone, other than like the specific things about like my heart palpitations. Yeah. I can do with my phone. Yeah. And if I don't, if I don't need to add, like if I could choose one Avenue versus two avenues to deal with all the electronic BS that I need to deal with in a given day, I'd choose one over two. And here's, and first of all, I'm going to go ahead and say that I've got nothing but negative things to say about this watch. Really? Okay. I mean, I don't have nothing but negative, but okay. Yeah. For me, it's $349. Oh, wow. I don't want to pay $349 for some added fitness stats. I have apps on my phone that tell me when I'm running, how many calories I burned, how long it took me to do this, this, that, and the other. Having some like one step extra be like, oh, and your heart rate was this, I don't care. Number two. It's $349, and it requires you to have an iPhone with you when you use True. it. So if That it, literally like eliminates a lot of the market, I'm not ridiculous. I'm not going to pay $349 so I don't have to take my phone out of my pocket. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> That's just ridiculous to me. That was very well put. I never really it, thought yeah, about like that. Yeah, it's, it's outrageous. Yeah. And I was looking, <laughs> people were saying that the way it navigates, so it has a little crown yeah, on the, the watch. Crown, yeah. And so the crown, you use the crown to zoom in and out of your home screen, right. and then you slide through your apps. And people mm-hmm. said it's actually really cumbersome. It's not as intuitive as most, as most Apple products are. And at a $349 price point, get out of town. Right. So going forward, I think this is a great first step. Mm-hmm. We'll see what this thing looks like three years down the line. Right. And I do have to admit that at least Apple's the one blazing the trail to creating this, you know... Like a legit phone, like a legit George, watch. This George Jetson future that we have yes. in our minds. Yeah. So we'll see where it goes, but as of right now, I could care less. Yeah, and I think that this was just kind of an uneasy step toward that future, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, I think that you pretty much nailed it. You're pretty much paying $350 to not take your phone out of your pocket, which is ridiculous. The one, at the same time, ahead, like at the same time, I think that the fact that um, you know they really tried to incorporate fashion with it, and like they gave you a lot of different styles as far as like, but it's so unfashionable. It's it's I mean it's 
If I do, it's as unfashionable as you think it is. Like they have leather bands that are black and like five other different yeah, colors. Yeah, it's still this ugly piece of it's glass on your hand. I mean, I, I, when I, I'm telling you right now, when I see somebody in the wild with an Apple Watch on, I'm gonna have the same reaction as when I see somebody in the wild with Google Glass. On. Right. Where I'm just like, you serious, dude? But at the same time, like one of the biggest things that I have a drawback from is. Um, you know, we talk about these health services and they are cool, but then there's like a lot of just, there's a lot of BS behind a lot of that stuff. Like you walking around making you feel like you exercised that day. And yeah. It's like, dude, why do you need some watch, some inanimate object to tell you like how active you need to be? You know, there's, there's being encouraging, which I think that they're going for. Like they're trying to encourage people to live healthy lifestyles and active lifestyles. But like at the end of the day, if I wear my iPhone watch and I go work out and it tells me all these facts about all my workout versus not having all the facts about my workout, I'm still going to feel great about my workout if it was a good workout. You That's know? true. Like, so I don't like the information doesn't make my workout any better, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't, and it honestly, like the information doesn't necessarily make me want to work out more. And maybe some third-party apps are going to be able to utilize the tools that have been given to them by Apple with fitness to actually make something a little more meaningful. But as of right now, like we don't know that. Right. Um, the last little caveat I want to say is that this thing doesn't come out for a year. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, well, it didn't even come out for a year. But I actually think that it was a smart move by Apple because I think what it does is sort of like create a numbness to all the other uh, watch products. Yeah. Where people who know the Apple Watch is coming aren't going to get the other smart watches because they know they want to wait for the Apple Watch. And also that gives them this kind of like, okay, so if they if they don't put it out, right, if they don't put it out this year and there are other watches that are on the market and they're like, okay, well, our phone, our watch is better than these other watches, it kind of eliminates that that uh, competition, and then if they have a whole year, they have a whole year's worth of possible innovations that they could add on to it, so that nobody really knows what their next like when it comes to market, what it's going to look like. So the people that are already being followers to the Apple uh, Apple Watch won't know what. That final product is going to look yeah. like, and it they gives have a whole them, year worth of innovation where they can add on. Gives them an opportunity to take input, maybe have a beta run, yeah. and further it's an interesting market or yeah. strategy for sure. All right, well, let's go to an intermission. That's been witty banter, so we're going to take a little halftime, and then we'll be right back. We're going to like pit a pit We're going to pit on your fifth and the pit pit Beep up. This is witty banter. Don't forget to follow us at witty banter show on Twitter. And shoot an email over to wittybantershow at gmail.com. Okay, we're back. We finished a couple coloring books. <laughs> and we're ready to do a little halftime report on this beer. Okay. You, you, wanna, you go first, man. I'm, I'm still waiting for my header to go down, and I'm going to like wait upon that to kind of uh, dive, it, dive back into it. So, man, to be completely honest, when I first took my first sips, I was not too stoked about this. Mm-hmm. I was a little bummed, honestly. Okay. And even a good three-fourths of the way through the news segment, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm mad. I'm mad about this beer because I expected something different. That being said, where we're at now, I'm liking it. I like this beer right Yeah. Now. Yeah, I do too. Because... I didn't have the, the initial thwarting of it. I, I wanted some bitter... I, not some. I wanted bitterness when I bought this beer. Right. Okay. You said 7 Hop IPA. You're thinking of bitter beer. Exactly. Yeah. And so when I didn't get almost any of that right off the get-go, I was like, great. Perfect. I'm glad that all the hops are in the aroma and I can't taste Jack. Mm-hmm. 
But the hop aromas don't even begin to ask me what I'm smelling. Okay. Because, oh my God, there's seven different hops, right? Yeah. Here's what I'm smelling, hops. <laughs> the taste isn't as strong on the actual hop flavor as I expected, but that sweetness that I was pretty scared of that I thought I was getting in the aftertaste right. is actually just the, to me, just the taste of the beer. And the bitterness has finally come through in the end. Uh, well, do you think that it's coming through as it's opening up? Yeah, no, I absolutely. Yeah. So what I have right now is a strong hop smell, which I like the smell of hops, right. a sweet taste, and a bitter finish. Mm. And I'm really liking that right now. Yeah, that's a solid like beer profile i'm digging it what about you um yeah again don't ask don't ask me to cite specific flavors because anyone who's ever watched the show knows i can't cite specific flavors (laughs) that's not something that i do (laughs) that's not my thing i'm telling you about my experience bro (laughs) what i will tell you is this thing is full of flavor in my opinion I i feel like when i drink this i can i can tell that there's a lot of complexity kind of just like but it's not it's not complexity that like beats down your door and, mm-hmm. and is like, hey, we're complex. You should like us. Right. It's it's like it's like a sophisticated, you know, complex. It's not a bunch of flavors fighting for your attention rather than it is a bunch of flavors that work well together that you drink as a whole. But they but it's weird because they work weird well together, but I also feel like they kind of have their just different little spots where they like hit on, you know, you know, on your tongue where you're kinda of like, oh well this time I tasted this, but like I didn't really taste this this time. You know? Yeah. Um, so every time it's like a sip is a little bit different, you know, from sip to sip. Um, as I, as it, I think I was right initially, as it has opened up more, I've taken to it more. Um, I really like the aesthetic of it actually. I think it's like a nice, it's uh, a nice color. Yeah. It's a pretty beer. Yeah. I I, like that it's unfiltered. Yeah. I like the unfilteredness too. I like unfiltered beers. I would prefer this one to be unfiltered versus filtered. Um, or I would prefer, yeah, which is what it is. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I'm liking this beer too, man. I think that I think that it's it's um, the initial right out of the refrigerator taste doesn't do it justice. Yeah. And I think that as it opens up, which all good beers, technically, whenever they start getting a little bit warmer and open up a little bit, all good beers get a little better, in my opinion. Rock and roll. So this is what this is doing. All right, well, let's pack up our bags and our beer and head on to our little segment. So this week we're going to brandish an oldie and we're going to do a top three. My number three is definitely Goku's hair. I think my number two has got to be Hyper Beam. My number one is without a doubt Woody Banter. Oh, top three is my favorite. So basically we're going to each come with a question and ask us to rank our top three whatever that genre is. <laughs> okay. So, Do you want me to throw mine first? Do you have another one? I have one. Okay, cool. Well, let's do mine first. Let's do it. This is one that I actually probed to chase <laughs> maybe like three days ago. And I said, hey, man, I want you to take this serious. So the first topic is if you have an entire platter of every fruit available to you, and it's like <laughs> the best of those fruits, you only have three that you can pick. What three fruits are you going to pick and in what order? So for me, there's just so many fruits out there. Okay. It's almost like movies where I have like a general idea of the fruits that I like, but I don't want to just go ahead and throw out three fruits because there's so many fruits out there. There's a ridiculous assortment of fruits. But there's like there's there's two that I know are in there. Okay. All right. All right. Are you gonna are you gonna go ahead and label their rankings? I think I am. Okay. 
My number one fruit is watermelon. Okay. And here's the deal it's about solid here's the deal about watermelon. I haven't enjoyed water, watermelon until like two months ago. Yeah. I used to hate watermelon. Really? When you started work, moving in here and you got one of those uh, well, that, cheap ones. That was like the aftermath. <laughs> I was in I was in Germany at this pool, right? Okay. And I'm like sweaty. I'm hot. And this guy, like this other dude, happened to bring a watermelon, and he's cutting off pieces. I'm like, let me let me get some of that. And I just bit into that. And from that point forward, I was watermelon crazed. Okay. That's so cool, I guess. I think watermelon is just the essence of fruit. It's just like a little bit of fiber and sugar water. There's a strong backing behind the watermelon community. It's so damn good. It's really refreshing. It looks pretty. Mm-hmm. I'm about watermelon. Okay, cool. My number two, apples. For sure. Okay. Fuji apples, specifically. Really? Oh, yes. You're going to go ahead and cite a specific apple. Fuji apples all the way. Okay. They're that perfect sweetness. And for me, I used to take a a watermelon, an apple in my backpack before school every day. (laughs) And when I got out of my building, I would just get my apple out and take that first bite. And that first bite, like, literally started my day. Mm -hmm. For me, there is nothing better than the first bite of an apple. There is a lot to be said about that, for sure. Now, my number three. This is where things get foggy. If you need options, I went ahead and listed out a bunch of options. Please do, because okay. I could use some. So we'll, we'll go ahead and negate the ones you already used. We have peaches, oranges, pears, bananas, grapes, grapefruits, clementines, pineapples, cantaloupe, honeydew melon, and berries, any kind of berries. Berries count. Yes, berries oh. is a fruit. For okay, sure. well then I'm done. <laughs> is it blueberries? It's blueberries. <laughs> I freaking love blueberries, dude. Chase is blueberry crazy. I could literally eat blueberries all day. Cuckoo for blueberries. I'm cuckoo for blue blues. That's pretty. Uh, yeah. Okay. They're delicious, I mean, man. Those are fruits, right? Yeah. I mean, I would just consider them berries. I thought berries were fruits. I thought berries were berries. Oh, well, nah, I'm pretty sure they're fruits. <laughs> okay. Well, um, blueberries. Nice. Absolutely. All I, right. Yeah. So I, now, think I'm let's gonna go, I think I'm going to go three, two, one on my ranking system. If you say banana, I'm going to kill you. You know, dude, we made a thing called the banana complex, which cites why bananas are bad at the end of a banana. <laughs> yes. So um, I hate it bananas. will not be bananas. I, I don't hate bananas. I think the bananas and their, um, their potassium is nice. They're an odd texture, and they're also like the worst fruit for you. There's so much sugar in a banana. Really? I didn't know like, that. People who think that I'm trying to be healthy, I'm going to eat like three bananas a day. It's like actually bad for you. (laughs) That's how effed up bananas are. That's weird. Okay. So my number three is actually watermelon. My number Number three three. is watermelon. At least it's in there, man. Yeah. It's, dude. Um, It's a a planner. It's be, yeah. I mean, there's just so much like I love not only just the fruit of watermelon itself, but like anything that's flavored watermelon is so good. Like, Jolly you, Ranchers. Like it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. If there's yeah, if there's something watermelon flavored, I will argue with you that it's probably the best of whatever the assortment is. <laughs> yeah. Number two, I have since last year had a hard on for clementines. Dude, clementine fruit is going to go for my number two favorite fruit for a few reasons. One, because it's extremely easy to like peel open. There's oranges that are like, okay, I need a freaking knife. Pickaxe. You know, like yeah, a freaking scalpel or something <laughs> to get this thing off. But then the clementine, it's like, nail it. <laughs> off. Yeah, It's done. off. And it takes like maybe one minute. <laughs> Two, 
each clementine is set up into like 12 different sections that you can peel off <laughs> and each individual section perfectly fits into the shape of your mouth. <laughs> it is the most ridiculous like phenomenon that I can't describe. <laughs> and plus they taste good. They taste like oranges. Well, the one drawback is they make your fingernails look diseased. Yes, they do. <laughs> you got to wash your hands when you, yeah, when you, you peel do. that ish. But pros like me, they know how to avoid those kinds They've of gotten uh, good those noobtastic problems. My first favorite. They're easy to juggle. Is an apple. Boom. And I will tell you this. It is not uh, a specific apple that I'm going to cite. And I will All tell the you, kingdom of apples. The kingdom of apples is under my number one favorite fruit. And this is why. One, let's just talk about the societal impact of apples. Oh, damn. We got some clout behind apples. <sighs> Think about just Apple Inc. It's like the Ooh. most ridiculously uh, widely followed corporation in the entire world. Oh, you mean the richest corporation in the world? How about uh, the New York City, which is considered to be the capital of a lot of different things and just like one of the biggest world centers, period, called the Big Apple. Also, <laughs> I love apples in my freaking salads. <laughs> it's like if there's, an, if there's a salad on a menu and I'm looking for salads... I'm like, okay, where's one that has apples? And then what's on also on that salad? <laughs> Seriously, that's like my process. I and think it's, it's Granny Smith apples for... for uh, The greens. The green, because it's tart and it's just like... I can't handle Oh that. my God, it's so good. I can't do it, man. It's so good. It's like tart <laughs> and just sprightly and just like gets you a little... Just, yeah. <laughs> Plus, yeah, like you said, whenever you bite into an apple... It's, it's the first like, bite, man. <laughs> And there's nothing stopping you, and you can take as big of a freaking bite as you want, and it still won't be enough. Yeah, I love this. Like I love awesome. the sound when you get your teeth in there, and you just chunk off a big piece, and just like, <laughs> <laughs> I used you know? to, I used to like just jam an apple into my front teeth as hard as possible, like Goofy would in a Goofy movie, <laughs> and then just like tear off as much as I could, and you know, get like a, a fist-sized <laughs> bite Damn, out of the it's apple. A big I'm mouth. Yeah, dude, I was getting doing work. So my top three for you. Okay, cool. Let's, let's go to the next one. What are your top three clothing brands? Ooh, okay. Um, if you that's need, hard because I haven't really like started thinking about style for till recently. If you, you need know? time to think, I can go first. Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, I would. I would defer to you. So my number three is Vans. Okay. Here's why. You've been rocking Vans. For I have a literally long been wearing. Time, yes, man. I've been wearing Vans since like the sixth grade. And you don't have to tell this guy. <laughs> not only do they have dope shoes, but they got some pretty cool t-shirts as well. Not all of them are cool. Okay. But I'm more citing them because of the shoes. Okay. My number two, Levi's. All right. Because I love denim. Okay. And Levi's fit me so well, mm -hmm. and it just feels American. And I don't know if that's just because of the marketing. Because they're, they're invented in Germany. Right, okay. And um, Levi Strauss. But <laughs> Levi's are the jam. Anytime I go buy jeans, uh -huh. going to Levi's. All right. Number one, J. Crew. All the way. Okay. Super nice quality. Their T-shirts feel great. Mm -hmm. Their button-downs are amazing. Their pants are awesome. They have a t That's where I got my magic wallet. Mm-hmm. And everything, the, here's the reason. Here's the number one reason why it's my number one. <laughs> everything in that store, literally, I feel like was tailored to me. 
Really? It fits me so well. And okay. I talk to other people. That's a good reason. I talk to other people about J. Crew. Like, I just can't do it. They're they're either the shirts are too wide and too short. I'm like, that's great because I'm a short, stocky dude. You uh-huh. know, perfect. <laughs> that's my top three. Okay. I think I'm probably gonna like look at this one later and regret it because I can't think of all of the clothing brands and stuff that I currently wear. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll give you kind of just a preliminary list. Uh, I think number three, uh, I'm going to put at, um, I'll put three at Banana Republic. Nice, it's a good choice. Three, because damn. I like. I really like. Uh, I ha- I have a couple of shirts from there. I have a dress shirt from there. Uh, I like that they don't have this sort of like inherent need to put Banana Republic all over their freaking yeah, shirts. Yeah, that's it's a big really thing. nice just having like a straightforward shirt. The biggest thing nice for quality. me in buying brands is to avoid logos. Right. I hate it logos. It really is. It's like a huge thing for me. I hate branding. You will not find a single polo shirt in there. Yeah. Nothing from Nautica. <laughs> any of that. Well, then you're going to hate my second thing because my second favorite one is polo. And it's not because I think that the fashion of polo is like inherently so awesome, but I think that polo has a lot of different options for people who want to look nice and look presentable. Um, but it's not like you don't have to be like one type of body type, and you don't have to be like you don't have to be like a. A lot of people will kind of think of polo as like preppy and fratty kind of stuff, but I think that there's a lot of people that like aren't that way and they, they still rock polos and look really good in polos. So I'm going to give polo my, my number two. Dude, perfectly respectable answer. It's one of the biggest clothing brands out there and the quality is pretty much unparalleled. Uh-huh. As far as my number one, I don't really know what my number one is. Billabong. Yeah, <laughs> just like, like, I, I really like don't know if I have a number one. I might just say you something. Don't, you don't have a store that you like go to every time you want to buy something See, nice? See, like, the, the, the thing about me buying clothes is like I haven't really gone out by myself and like bought clothes by myself very often. Um, I'm addicted to shopping. Growing, say it right growing now. up, growing up, like my mom always kind of like was a part of the process with mm-hmm. me. And so Well where did you and your mom go? We would go to like Buckle, um, but that was for jeans. And then we went to we would go to po- like Dillard's where there was like polo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I think I think I really respect like let's shift those other twos up. Let's make those one and two. Okay. My number three will be Calvin Klein. Okay. Okay. That's fine, man. Because I think that that's like one of those kind of stores that respects sleekness and elegance and doesn't really throw stuff in your face very often. And that's like a big thing that I'm looking for in clothing is I don't I don't want to feel like I'm bombarded by branding and stuff. Right. So I feel like Kyle Klein does that pretty well. Because they do brand, but it's not in your face. Yeah, and they have like some nice uh, you know boxer briefs. But if you if you don't like branding. Then why are you about polo? Because polo, like, you can't get rid of the the symbol anywhere. It's right. No, I agree. Um, but I think that the brand doesn't. It's not like a. It's not like a arrogant and or like showy brand. It's not like there are some polo shirts that what? have like. It's not, there's <laughs> some polo shirts that shirts that literally the polo design takes up the entire pectoral part of your chest. But like for the most part, I don't really care about the fact that there's a little guy riding a horse on it. That doesn't really mean that much to me. And it's more about like the style of the shirt and the fact that it's well made. Mm-hmm. So like while I avoid branding, it's 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 branding being a part of the design of the shirt. 
you know. Yeah. And in when you think of something like Affliction or Hollister, where like you can't have a shirt that doesn't say Affliction or Hollister on it, like printed all the way across the shirt. It's outrageous. You know, I don't want that. And so Polo kind of takes it easy. Like they still brand, but it's 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 negligible in my opinion. Well, solid top threes there. All right. Yeah, we learned a little sure. bit. So we'll go ahead and start to round out the show and check in with the mailbox over at Nick's Mail yeah, Corner. Yeah, let's do it. Nick's Mail Corner. It's Nick's Mail Corner. And guess what? Nick mailed in. We mailed in. Yeah, yes. Nick's got some mail for us. Thank God. So Nick we says, love him for that. Hey, turkey tuggers. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a while. You guys aren't the only ones with lives, okay? <laughs> I'm joking. Anyways, he has a question for me. He says, Chase. I want to hear all about the great habanero war of 2012. Give me all the juicy details, like tactics and strategies, and the time I threw one one on the panini press when you were the last one left working. As always, get tubbed, you nub huggers. (laughs) So I'm feeling this one's going to be a little personal. So the great habanero war was a Hubble and Hudson battleground, (laughs) and it was basically the greatest prank war you've ever seen. I think you might have told me about this, but go. Yeah. So what we would do at Hubble and Hudson is we would try to get people to eat in any sort of way habaneros. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Because okay. if you haven't eaten a habanero before... It's horrible. It's pretty much like <laughs> swallowing a sun. <laughs> it's awful. Okay. And I was pretty damn good at getting people. And I rarely... I imagine. I rarely got gotten. <laughs> okay. And so the one instance that Nick put on there, I was like making myself a sandwich. He put habanero juice all over the panini press. And okay. I paninied it. So naturally, I just got habanero juice all over my lips, and I probably drank a gallon of milk that day. But as far as tactics, it's that bad where they could just pour it on a press, dude. It's insane. And it like kind of seeps into the bread, and then you're like, oh my god. Well, let me tell you some of my strategies, which he's asking about. Okay. What I did to Adam Shackleton, he's got a um, a water cup down below with a straw in it, and I take the habanero pepper. And I stick it onto the straw. I basically like puncture the habanero with the straw. I squeeze it and I give it a little roundy round there and pull it off. Okay. So to him, he just sees a straw. Okay. He goes and he drinks it, and all of the juice that was on the straw is now on his lips. And he's just like, oh my God, dude. Like, you know that weird feeling where like your mind tricks you into think like, this is something's really hot. hot. You and know? I was just like, yeah, dude, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, that is a weird phenomenon. Man. And so his mouth was on fire. <laughs> Another time, same thing. I took Max's cup and he didn't have a straw. He just had like the open lid. So you and just did it around the rim. So I took the juice and put it all around the, li- the rim. This is great. When he drank it, not only did his lips get messed up, but he had up onto his cheeks like a Joker smile <laughs> of redness because the capsaicin <laughs> burned his skin. That's what it's called, capsaicin? That's the chemical that makes right. peppers hot, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so another thing that I used to do is we had a bakery on site that mm-hmm. had a vat of tempered chocolate all the time. Yes, this is what I was waiting for. Yeah. So I used to take habaneros, and I would dip them in chocolate and then putting them in the, put them in the refrigerator. Yes. Then I'd put toothpicks in them, mm-hmm. and I would go around to people, and I'd be like, hey, man, would you like a chocolate-covered grape? Yeah, because y'all sell chocolate-covered grapes right in the store. They're just like, dude, hell yeah. I would love a chocolate-covered grape right now. (laughs) And they just bite into a flippin' habanero. Now. That's so harsh. Let me tell you. Not only habanero, but it's like chocolate habanero. (laughs) So I don't want to just sit here and toot my own horn and tell you how awesome I was at the habanero war because I was the greatest. (laughs) But I will tell you about the two times I got bad. Okay. This guy named Zach Holloway bought capsaicin extract. 
Oh my gosh. It was a like dedication. It was a vial of literally just (laughs) antimatter. And he made cupcakes with it. He made cupcakes and he put the whole vial in there. And he's like, dude, I I brought cupcakes, man. You ready? Like, yeah, I would love a cupcake. Yeah. And like it it like from the minute it like you could feel it down your throat into your stomach like my whole body was warm for hours flowing through your circulatory system number two this got out of hand (laughs) this crossed the line and the sous chef of our kitchen found out about it okay and he knew that i was a culprit okay and so what he did is he took a ghost pepper the hottest pepper in the world yes i have heard about ghost peppers and he just and he made a ghost pepper reduction sauce. <laughs> so a reduction is when you take a sauce and you get all the moisture out of it to make it really thick and concentrated. Okay. This sauce was so hot that while it was sitting in the pan, it burnt through the Teflon. What is Teflon? Teflon is like a plasticky coating on pans that makes it nonstick <laughs> that can also withstand heats of like 500 degrees. It burnt through the Teflon. And he comes over like, Chase... How would you like to try the new sauce that we're trying out here in Hubble Hudson? <laughs> I was like, really good. And I'm like, dude, chef's about to give me food. You yes. know it. And he puts on a little sample spoon this, you know, devil's piss, basically. <laughs> and with probably an eyedropper size, I was out of commission for like an hour. I bet, dude. I literally drank probably three pints of milk. I was eating bread. I was standing in the deep freeze cooler, which is like negative 10 degrees. It was one of the worst experiences I've ever had. Did they let you uh, be excused from work during that time? Oh, I had someone at the sandwich bar. Don't you worry. That's so funny, man. So, yeah. I wish that like I got more into pranks. Like pranks have never really been that big a part of like what I how I interact with my friends, and I kind of wish that that was more a part of kind of my... Pranks are very dependent on your friends, though, because you yeah. got the people who are like can't take a joke, yeah, and like, dude, you gotta admit that I just pranked you hard, yeah, and like, I know you're embarrassed, and I know you're covered in vinegar, but laugh with me, but come on, come on, you know, yeah. exactly. But like, our group is one that would laugh about that, but yet we were never inclined to do pranks very often. Well, I, I pranked like. Tom pretty bad one time. And I pranked got, Max pretty bad. Riley. What'd you do with Max? Oh yeah, 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 with the haunted house thing. Yeah, that That was was the whole dude. That could have been real (laughs) solid. Yes, maybe for next or another episode. Yeah, because that one that needs about thirty minutes of intro. It was it was like it was so well planned out. I I felt like on my part, like I really went through a lot of. So if you're still listening to the show. You can email us at wittybantershow at gmail.com, and you can ask Hunter about that story. <laughs> we would love to hear from you and any other questions that you have. Absolutely. Now, before we get out of here, let's go ahead and put a number on this beer. Okay. Um, I want you to go first. One more little sip. Get that swag in there. Feel, how, feel it out. Whenever I was like at halftime, I was trying to think about a number for it. So I think that the fact that one solid amount of alcohol that I could feel, there's a body to this. Two, there is a sophisticated complexity that I feel like isn't forced. It's just a nice complexity. Three, as it's opened up, I've liked it a little bit more. I'm going to give this an eight. Nice. I, uh, I like this beer. It's not going to be like my first choice of beer that I go to if I see it. But at the same time, if somebody really wants to try... A you know a, a complex beer, not just a straightforward light beer, and it, this is available. I can I can honestly say that I have tried this and that I would recommend you try it. You know, 
if you like hoppiness and you like the um, more than just you know like lightness to a beer, if you like flavor to a beer, I would I would try this for sure. So for me, I'm also going to give it an eight. Wow. Okay. I think this cool. is a great beer, and here's why. Okay. When you get an IPA, you're kind of expecting a formula. Mm-hmm. You kind of know what you're getting yourself into. For me, it's you're going to get like a super hoppy smell. It's going to taste like hops and then be super bitter. Right. I feel like this IPA took all of the elements of an IPA and just mixed them up into a different order. I kind of agree with you. I think the smell is brilliant. I think it's a great hoppy smell that doesn't... But it's not one hop. It's not like here's pine, here's citrus. It's just like here's... In fact, it's seven hops. Yeah. (laughs) It's just here's a bunch of hops, right? Right. And then when you taste it, you're kind of expecting this like really hard hitting hop flavor, mm. but instead it gives you a little bit of sweetness. Okay. And then at the end, it balances that sweetness out with bitterness, but it's not an overwhelming bitterness. Right. And it's super enjoyable. I think it's easy to drink. I like the color. I would definitely recommend this beer to somebody. I'm going to give it an eight. Good stuff, man. All right. All right. Well, so uh, it's written. It is written. In the book. The stamp has been stamped. Beep, Okay, well, that's been episode number 28 of Witty Banter. Feel good. I enjoyed it. I hope you had fun as well. (laughs) If you want to find Witty Banter, you can go to wittybantershow.com. You can search for us on iTunes. Just search Witty Banter. Hit subscribe. Every week, our download will show up for free automatically. You don't have to do anything. We're also on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash wittybanterpodcast. You can follow the show on Twitter. We are at wittybantershow. Um, your host, we are off. We are also on Twitter. I am at Bodacious Chase. Hunter is at Diesel Dorset. For show. And we currently are working on a YouTube channel. Video editing sucks ass. <laughs> and um, give us time. It's a work in progress. But I think that by next week we're planning on having the process down and putting out a video at the same yeah. time as releasing the podcast. So if you're a fan of the show and you know that we kind of like to include you in on the process, we're hoping to really expand out to a video channel as well. Yeah. And we're looking forward to that. So, for Chase Williams and Hunter Dorset, this has been Witty Banter, and I hope you have a great weekend. Bing bong bop. 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 Bing bong bop.